when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Hey guys, Sari Delamont here. This is a recent Facebook Live that we've uploaded as a podcast. Enjoy. Hey there, good morning. I keep forgetting to look where I'm supposed to be looking right there at the camera. Uh, so good morning to those of you where it is morning. It's morning here in Portland, 10 a.m. Pacific um, daily savings time, I guess is what they call PDT. So uh, we've just come off of our voir dire seminar this last weekend with four amazing trial attorneys from all over the United States. And we're absolutely just wonderful group and great mock juries that we had. Um, hi, Hank. Thanks for being here. I see that you've joined. Um, so today what I want to talk about is the idea, and we talked quite a bit about this in the voir dire uh, studio, the difference between, uh, great from Alabama, the difference uh, between individual voir dire, which I think all of you have been trained to do, even if you think you've been doing group voir dire, and I, I, that's a great, great point. Let me actually step back. So what I'm not talking about is where you are limited by the judge to only doing individual voir dire versus panel voir dire. Um, what I'm talking about is even if you're doing panel, you know, you get to talk to the entire panel, most of you, especially we saw this this last weekend, are still doing individual voir dire. So let me explain what I mean by that. So even though you are open to or allowed, I should say, to talk to the entire group, most of you will focus in on single jurors and have these single conversations. And what I want to be really clear about is that that is not serving you. It, it, it does it for, for a few reasons. One is when you do the individual voir dire, like, you know, you, you call, maybe you start with the group question and you say, you know, who here has ever been in a car crash? Let's say you have a car crash case and, you know, a bunch of people raise their hands. So you call on one of the jurors and what you'll do is then walk toward the juror, which is something we actually train you not to do in our voir dire studio classes. And then you'll have this private conversation one-on-one -on -one with the juror. And then when you're done, you'll come back. Hi, Daniel, thanks for joining. Uh, you'll come back and you'll say, oh, uh, let me see, he might hear from you. And so Voidir becomes one of a series of these one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so what I really want you to be thinking about in terms of why that's not working for you is a couple of reasons. One, when you Voidir individuals, and you might be thinking, well, sorry, how do I get away from Voidir individuals? I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But when you have these private, it's not private because everyone's listening, but that's kind of how it feels. I've got to tell you the truth. With individual jurors, what you have to do first and foremost is try to connect with every single person in the panel, or at least the you know first 24 to 30 people in the panel. And what I hear often from you guys is that this is so hard to do. How do you do this? You have you know limited time and I've got to connect with all these people. And I'm here to tell you that no, you don't. You do not have to connect 
with every single single juror. In fact, it's impossible to connect with every single juror, which is why I think most of you struggle with Wadir because you tend to think that's what you have to do. Ah, oh, sorry, Wadir's so hard because I have you know these 60, 90 you know, people in the in this group, and I've got to connect with each one of them. Not if you understand that group is what we're after. You know, when you come out to the Wadir studio or if you listen to some of my materials or you've been to a seminar, you know that I geek out on group dynamics, all right? And there's a lot of stuff out there in the trial world that's talking about group dynamics, you know, how to get a verdict from a group, how groups act differently. And here's what most people do not understand. They do not understand that you don't have a group until and unless you form them. And boy, our group of trial attorneys this last weekend learned that firsthand. Because we can talk all day long about group dynamics and how groups function and how groups make decisions, but unless you formed your jury into a group, they aren't a group. They are merely a gathering of individuals. And therefore, that forces upon you to try and connect with every individual. It forces you to try and read every individual. It forces you to provide all the safety, for example. We talk a lot in my work and from Hostage to Hero, the book coming out, about how there are four levels that you have to walk jurors through, and that first level is safety, right? So they're there. They don't understand what it is that they, you need them to do. They don't understand how this all works. So your first job primarily is to provide safety. But after you provide safety, then you take them to the next phase, which is engagement. Now you have to engage them with you and the content. Those first two levels are what we cover in the Wadir class. Now you take them into opening and you get a commitment from them because now they have enough information once they hear opening to commit to you and by closing they're ready to take action right so we have safety engagement commitment and action well here's the thing if you do not focus on forming the group early you now have to provide the safety throughout the entire trial that's one of the primary reasons why we form the group in voir dire, so that they provide their own safety, because we know this is true. A formed group creates its own safety. And therefore, when they're creating their own safety, a bunch of other magical things happen. Now that they're feeling safe, they start to manage each other, for example. So a lot of times this past weekend, we would have, you know, the rogue juror, <laughs> you know, not the rogue in terms of they were going to make the whole thing fly off the, the handle, but they're more like the outlier. And we talked about the outlier in this in this past weekend, meaning they hold views that the rest of the group does not hold. And so every time the outlier would speak, the group's rolling their eyes and like, really? right now here's this person again when the group is formed they will allow you the leader to manage that individual so you now have permission to cut them off to interrupt them to redirect the conversation and yet when I'm working with so many of you you it just are you're aghast when I even suggest that you go <gasps> I could never interrupt a juror and I agree with you you can never interrupt a juror if the group does not give you permission to do it. But if the group has formed and they have now viewed this individual who is talking too much and about things that are not relevant as inappropriate, you now have total permission to shut that person down. In fact, if you don't shut that person down, the group will not hold it against that person, 
they'll hold it against you. I'm happy to do another Facebook Live to go on that in depth because I think this is something a lot of you struggle with. But my point is by forming the group, you really have all of these things that are now available to you. So for example, instead of having to connect with each individual juror, your job now becomes connecting the jurors to each other. Okay. That's what's more important by the way, then you trying to connect and create relationship with every single juror. Your primary job is to connect the jurors to each other. And here's why that's so important. Because think about this, when the jurors do their most important part of their job, they go into the verdict room and they decide the verdict. Are you with them? No, they are by themselves. They are just have each other. And if you haven't formed the group and you're now creating all the safety and you're pulling them through a trial and, and creating this like safety blanket of you and them, it's kind of like wrapping them in a blanket and then pulling it away right before they go to the jury room and go, now you're on your own. The biggest gift you can give them is the gift of each other. Now that not only helps them participate and and have a verdict and feel safe, but it also helps you because now instead of trying to have all these individual connections, you can now focus on one thing, which is the group, which becomes this living, breathing thing that you can play with and voir dire once they form. And you know, when we think about formation, we think it takes a lot of time. It actually doesn't. You know, this last weekend, we had two sets of mock jurors come in and we formed the, the we, I wasn't part of it, of course, my attorneys were, the attorneys formed that first group in, in 20 minutes. It really doesn't take that long if you know what you're doing non-verbally. So once you form that group, you don't have to create these individual connections, which I think, you know, gets a lot of you caught up because you think, how can I do this? It's impossible to do this. And you know what? You're right. It is impossible to make connections with each and every juror in the amount of time that you're given. And even if you're given all day, it's still pretty impossible to do that. And I think laying that burden on you is unfair. So get rid of the idea that you have to do that. You just need to connect them to each other. But in addition, once you form the group, not only do you not have to have these individual connections with each, with each juror, you now can not, don't have to read every individual juror to see what it is they're thinking, feeling, all those kinds of things. Now, you know, if you follow me for a while, how you, I don't teach you how to read jurors in terms of, you know, they're doing this and that means they're against you, right? I'm not into that kind of body language stuff. But what I am talking about is the idea that instead of going, is this juror for me, against me, what are they thinking and feeling? The group becomes this kind of living organism that you can start to feel how the group is moving either for you or against you. And boy, does that make it a lot easier on you. All right, Daniel has a question. Can you touch on how to adjust for criminal defense when we go last in jury selection instead of first as in plaintiff attorneys? You know, there is, there is something to say, something to be said about, for this, for this weekend example, somebody asked about the idea of, do you want to form the group in a criminal trial. Meaning in a criminal case, in most cases, you don't want a unanimous verdict. However, I mean, you want them to, you know, to say there's not enough evidence. We can't bring it. We can't, you know, bring, bring this against the client. But I still believe, and I'll have to think through this. I know this isn't exactly your question, Daniel, but it's a, it's a good one. It made me think of this. I still believe that a formed group, I'm going to, I'm going to think on this a little more, but just if you're putting me on the spot right now, it's still better for you in, in a criminal trial. 
Um, what I will say in terms of you know have, having to go second, in fact, um, our Minnesota attorneys go second, plaintiff attorneys go second in Minnesota. So it's not just criminal trials that have this issue. I would say you don't need to worry about it. In fact, I think you actually have a lot of benefit going second. That's not that I would suggest that you try to go second, but you have a lot of benefit because prosecutors and defense, hi Kyle, thanks for joining, prosecutors and defense attorneys really don't know what the fuck they're doing. I mean, most people don't know what the fuck they're doing, but um, they're, they're the ones standing up there doing all the things I tell you guys not to do. You know, what are your hobbies? What kind of news do you watch? Blah, blah, blah. In fact, in the last, um, not the last, but one of the trials where I was there to, to assist with jury selection, where we had the biggest recorded verdict, great outlier story there too. But our attorney came out, he was first, of course, but he did this great voir dire, formed the group, and the defense attorney comes out, and he takes all this time to kind of drag this really heavy table in front of him, sticks it in front of him, you know, barring him from the jury. It's one thing we never want you to do. And he says, all right, so I'd like to ask, what books have you guys been reading? And I thought, this is ridiculous. So in, in going second actually can give you some, an upper hand in that they've normally made such a mess of Wadir. They don't know how to do it very well. But it also gives you some insight to what, if they do a good Wadir, which is rare, to what the jurors are thinking and feeling so that now you have that information, you can go in and start playing with this. For example, you know, my husband, Kevin, came up with this analogy after this week, and I was just so mad that I didn't come up with it myself, which is what you're trying to do in voir dire is you have this narrative that you want the jurors to gel around. So for example, um, we had a case this weekend in uh, which there was a procedure that was done that both should have never been done and in fact was done incorrectly and even after it was done incorrectly no one checked for signs and symptoms to see that this um, patient was was not doing well and she died and so what we want the jurors to rally around is this idea of, you know, you don't do things, you know, the, the benefit risk analysis. We wanted them to kind of gel around that idea and the idea that we trust our doctors, but that the doctors should be worthy of that trust, so on and so forth. There's all these things we want them to, to rally around. I think all of you understand that. What I think you don't understand is that you get those themes from the jury, meaning, and this is where Kevin comes in, he said it's kind of like a quilt right? Your narrative is this quilt. And what you're doing is you're taking a square from this juror and then a square from this juror and a square, and so, until you start building this quilt. Another way to think about it is like a spider web. So everything kind of comes together. So everything you're getting from an individual juror, you now bring to the group and start to create this narrative. So going second actually helps you with that because if they if they did a bad voir dire, then it's almost like nothing happened, so you don't have to worry about that. If they do a good voir dire, then you've already got some inside information that you can play with now. In fact, so much of our voir dire studio is all about not creating the questions ahead of time. We do some of that, but the majority of the voir dire studio is how do you play with what the jurors give you? And that's exactly what I'm talking about here, is this idea that I come in and I say, you know, what you said was very interesting. Let's use your example, Daniel. Let's say you've heard something interesting. You say, you know, I wanna, I wanna follow up with something that you said, juror number seven. You said something really important. By the way, saying you said something really important to a juror 
increases their status in terms of the scarf model, which I talked about in the very first video that's pinned to the top of this group. Go back and look at that. Status is the first thing. If we reward that with jurors, we increase their status. If we do things that decrease their status, the brain sees that as an attack. So going to the juror and saying, you said something really important. I want to follow up on that. You said blah, 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 whatever they said. Then you can ping it back to the group and say, who else believes blah, blah, blah? We tend to think about voir dire as this time where, and yes, this is the first level, where we're just asking good questions and we're getting them to talk to us. That is absolutely the first level. Yes, we need to have good questions delivered in a way that gets the jury feeling safe so that they can share with us. But what I find, even with these, I mean, three of the four attorneys this last week have been practicing 25 plus years, all right? And that's the majority of people we get in the studios, by the way. Guys and gals that have been practicing for a long time. And what I'll find is they get the juror going and then they'll, first of all, let the juror keep going till we've way past what we've gotten what we need. And second, they won't take that information and bring it back to the group and show the group how it all connects to that narrative. So if we're talking about how this works, the first thing is what is it that we want jurors to rally around? What's the theme in our case? You know, whether that's patient safety or unnecessary procedures or doctor-patient relationship and how important that is. What is the theme, the narrative that we want them rallied around? Then we create questions to see how we can get that narrative, not from us to jurors, but from jurors to the group. We ask questions and we bring forward and we go, that's really important, Jordan, I said what you said, because in this case, that's exactly what's at issue here. So let me now ask the group about this thing. And then someone else comes up with a great piece of information. We go, that's also a part of this case. How does that change it for you, group? And so we're constantly mining from individual jurors to create the narrative that kind of rests over. Now, within that process, we're forming the group, we're getting them looking and talking to each other. And as that happens, the outliers in the group, the people who don't fit our narrative, we don't have to do anything about them because the group starts to take care of them. As you get the group to gel around these ideas, outlier juror goes, well, you know, this is ridiculous. And, you know, my father died and no one gave him money or whatever it is. We can, we're normally scared of that. You don't need to be scared of that. If your group is formed, the group looks at that juror like, what? That's not what we're all gelling around. And things start to take care of themselves. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the difference between group voir dire and individual voir dire. And that even if you have panel voir dire, which most of you do, you still tend to treat it as individual voir dire, where you have these one-on-one -on -one conversations and you don't make the connections between jurors that need to be made. So yes, we are asking jurors questions, but when we get those answers, you need as a true facilitator, and as you go back to that video, that one that pinned to the top, you'll notice, I think I said in, in there, but I'll say it again here, that your role changes in each one of those four phases. So in the safety phase, your role is guide, right? You're guiding jurors. You're telling us how this works, what the rules are, what you expect, what they want from you, so on and so forth. When you get to the engagement phase, now your role is facilitator. And I'm finding that so many of you We'll get to the point where you can get jurors talking, but you don't know how to facilitate and shape the conversation. So as they're talking, they just keep going and they start going down this road and suddenly your voir dire is off the rails, especially in the voir dire, uh, an issue-oriented voir dire, the type of voir dire that I teach. 
it's, it's a much better voir dire, but it actually has more potential to go awry. Because as you start talking about principles in your case, the jurors start getting really hungry for information. So then they start putting everything together and they go, oh, I know what this is about. And suddenly they're down this road that it's not about that at all. And the juror or the attorney's like, sorry, help, this is off the rails. So it's the facilitation piece that's also needed. Yes, you need jurors to talk to you. Yes, you need great nonverbal skills to get that going. But once they begin talking, now you need to take what they're giving you and continually shape the conversation and move it down the, down the right path so that they continue to gel around that narrative. And so, yes, you are using individual jurors to meet the need of this kind of group web that you're trying to create. That's what I wanted to talk about this morning. And I'm, I'm just coming off of the Wadier studio this, this past weekend. I've really been thinking a lot about this facilitation piece and some, how to create some facilitation skills in Wadier. So be on the lookout for that because that's really present in my mind after this weekend. Uh, so having said that, the last, or no, the fourth seat in September's, which is the last Wadir, has been taken. We only have two Wadir seats for the rest of 2019. So if you want to come play with me, get online right now, sorrydlm.com, and uh, grab one of those two remaining seats in 2019. Y'all are here with me live. Any questions about what I was talking about? Love to see so many of you from different places in the United States here with us today. Uh, you're welcome, Daniel. Thanks for your question. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, Daniel, if anytime you want to just get on the phone with me for 30 minutes, I'm interested in seeing how to adapt. You know, I started in criminal and then I moved over to plaintiff world. But now now that I've kind of come full circle, I'd love to kind of pick your brain as a criminal defense attorney, see how, how you know, the, in real world, how this would work in your world. So feel free to just ping me and we can get on the phone and just chat it up sometime if you're open for that. Any other questions, you guys? Alrighty, well just know that this has been on my on my brain and I'm thinking that I've got you guys now asking good questions, creating an issue-oriented voir dire. I think the next step in this process, and I'm gonna be focusing some time on that, is now how do you shape the conversation once it gets going? That's really important, I think, for you guys to learn and to use, yes, your individual jurors to do what you wanna do, which is get the group to gel around a theme. So going into Wadir from here forward, know that your job is to form the group. And if you want to be getting some skills on that, I think I have a few of my podcasts I talk about that. Of course, Wadir Studio is the place to really get the one-on-one the -on -one or the, the boots on the ground work with that. But really be seeing your individual jurors as serving the cause of the group versus your job is to try to connect with each and every one of them. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work and I'm going to confirm your sanity and say that's why it feels hard because you're trying to do something that's nearly impossible. Focus on the group instead. All right, guys, we'll talk soon. Thanks for being here. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today, and until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.